0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: It's been eight years, and the Office of Management and Budget and Congress still can't see eye to eye over what should be a simple definition of a data center. After memos, policies, even statutes, the concept of a data center continues to cause heartburn among federal technology leaders and members of Congress. We saw that on display at the biannual hearing on the Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act scorecard. Federal News Network's Jason Miller heard the hearing and joins me now. And Jason, let's start out with the FATARA scorecards themselves, the agency progress since that hearing was based on scores that were coming out last December.
2: Exactly, Tom. And this is one of those things where usually the scorecard comes out and the the committee has a hearing. But for whatever reason, pandemic and other reasons, uh, they decided to wait until obviously just recently, and the scorecard had a lot of good news on it. For instance, uh, every agency had at least a C grade. Nobody had a D or an F in their total grades. Uh, They're going to retire the software licensing category because every agency had an A. Back in 2017 when they launched this category, only two agencies had a a software inventory to get an A, so a lot of progress there. Uh, There's also a lot of progress around things like Portfolio Stat. This is something from the Obama administration where agencies went from saving about $3.5 billion in 2015 to over- over 22, almost $23 billion in 2020. There's a lot of savings from data center consolidations and, and, and optimizations of more than $5 billion over the last five years. And you know, there's still a lot of work on, on for instance, ensuring CIOs have the right number right. of authorities. So I think this scorecard showed just how the two things are happening, holding agencies accountable through letter grades, and the committee's continued look and hearings and asking questions. And I think all of that is really making real progress on IT modernization because it's not just about the scorecard time. It's actually about how to change the processes and the success factors.
1: So then the definition of a data center, how come they're still arguing that one? How does that figure into all this?
2: This actually tags back to 2016, 2015 when GAO and OMB really butted heads. But it got got reignited in 2019 when OMB right before – the Fatara hearing issued a new memo and it redefined what a data center is. And this was the third time they did this. And this latest definition focused on what they called tiered data centers versus non-tiered data centers. And what OMB had asked agencies to do is focus only on those tiered data centers. And that's really what's at the heart of this disagreement. There are more than 2,000 non-tiered data centers that agencies manage. So Tom, listen to this exchange between Congresswoman Katie Porter and GAO's Kevin
3: Walsh. Those
0: are those smaller, Ones that weren't necessarily intended to be data centers, those non-tiered ones. This could open us up to cyber attacks, couldn't it?
3: That is correct. And we have encouraged OMB and the agencies to continue their tracking of these non-tiered data centers.
0: And It's potentially wasting taxpayer dollars because we're not evaluating these non-tiered data centers for potential um, consolidation or optimization.
3: That is correct. And to, to help put a, a face to the name, Some of these smaller data centers include things like FAA's air traffic control centers or uh, large medical machinery that that has basically supercomputers built into it.
1: Lots of tiers over tiered data centers.
3: Exactly. And this type of exchange between
2: Congresswoman Katie Porter and GAO's Kevin Walsh, this has been happening for years. You know, Porter says it may be time for legislation if OMB doesn't want to update and really come back around to what their definition should be.
0: It seems from these hearings that OMB thinks it's following appropriate private sector best practices. And GAO thinks that we're exposing cyber insecurities. Has GAO been working with OMB to ensure federal agencies are not turning a blind eye to potential cybersecurity risks or wasting tax dollars?
3: We do correspond very closely with OMB. We we work with them as as best as able. Uh, So we try and we do have annual reports. Mr Walsh,
0: are they listening to you or are they ignoring you?
3: I would I would say it's a push pull. Uh, we work as collaboratively as we can, but sometimes it does feel like, uh, it's more us talking and then not listening.
2: Now that was Kevin Walsh from GAO kind of expressing a little bit of frustration. Now he, he gives... OMB very much good credit around the fact that they have a hard job they do want to listen but there there is a disagreement now usually Tom as you know Jerry Connolly the the subcommittee chairman the the democrat from Virginia he's the usually the one who's banging the drum on the data center saying we have to get the right definition and says OMB just can't redefine what a data center is so agencies can come into compliance and, and that's why I think they're starting to seriously consider legislation
1: we're speaking with federal news networks Jason Miller now enter the Biden administration and they're just getting settled settled in on all of these IT issues. Where do they stand on it?
2: We don't know. And and unfortunately, the federal CIO, Claire Monterano, uh, hasn't weighed in yet. She was supposed to testify last Friday at the FITAR hearing, but had a family emergency, so unfortunately she she was unable to show up. Now, if you look at Monterano's efforts around data center consolidation optimization at her former agency, the Office of Personnel Management, that did not provide a lot of insight because OPM only had one data center, so consolidation wasn't really necessary or really an option. Uh, However, she did focus on some optimization, and according to the federal IT dashboard, OPM saved more than $36 million because of that optimization. Now, Tom, when I posted my story last Friday, I heard from one federal executive privately, and they gave me some really interesting insight. And they said, the issue at hand is not so much a disagreement over the definition of a data center, but the committee and GAO are conflating FITARA, Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act, with FISMA, the Federal Information Security Management Act. The executive says all the data centers and their contents are still required to meet cybersecurity requirements under FISMA. They're supposed to you know, use NIST 853 security controls, have system security plans. But the person says something like an MRI machine are considered a non-tiered data center and cannot be closed, but still must meet all these security requirements. The executive says OMB has repeatedly tried to explain to GAO and lawmakers why they're sticking with the current definition, but GAO, in this person's opinion, because there's not a spreadsheet quote-unquote of MRI machines reported back to them, it means CIOs are not looking at them, not paying attention to the cybersecurity potential flaws. And this source says that is not true. One last point, the executive says Fatara actually does call for data consolidation, but also optimization. So he believes Congressman Connolly is mistaken to say OMB is changing a word to suit their needs. If you look at the law, it absolutely says consolidation and optimization.
1: And Jason, briefly, another area that comes up is how much authority CIOs actually have, which is what. TARA was basically all about. What's the latest there?
2: Eight agencies, including labor justice states still do not meet the spirit and the intent of the Klinger-Cohen Act back from 1996, let alone Fatara. They do not report directly to the head of the agency. Now, lawmakers often point out this shortcoming as a reason why agencies struggle. And good news, Tom, five agencies since Fatara began in 2015, the scorecard, have elevated the roles of their CIOs, and GIOs Walsh actually called that significant progress. The pandemic brought up this idea of whether CIO authorities really are, how important they are, and one good example is labor CIO Gundeep al who does not report directly to the secretary, but Labor's success at transforming agencies' technology is impressive.
3: We developed a one-web initiative where we have uh, uh, instituted uh, the responsive design parameters that the private sector uses, and also made all our websites uh, mobile-friendly and and accessible. For the general public. The mobility as well as the user-centric design of these are at par with the private sector at this point in time. I will say with every new project we come up with, we measure the ease with which customers or consumers or, or employers across the nation are able to consume our services.
2: Again, Labor CIO Gandhi Paliwala talking about the success of Labor's IT modernization efforts.
1: All right, so the problem's not solved, but they're talking about it.
2: And it's obvious, Tom, that you know the pandemic and other recent actions have really shown the power of technology and, and non technology people who may have said, well, that CIO, they just make the computers run. They now realize how important it is that that CIO not only makes the computers run, but is part of the broader, bigger discussion.
1: Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks so much. My pleasure. Check out his reporter's notebook now at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA.
4: Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, Since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, Great man theory, the leader follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader. All of these are backward looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to Perhaps emulate, copy, but great leaders they have more than one style i think I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that 's needed at that time. so what we 're trying to do is is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. tell us about your a story in your past, tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others, and this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over two million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks, and what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace and they inspired others and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, Today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic. We hear transparent. We hear uh, inspirational. So today, we have COVID. We have a down economy. We have people. We have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves, and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation, uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, My father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, He joined the federal government in the 1960s. John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask, not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WAPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. Uh, I've led. This is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion, we serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try PluralSight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at pluralsight.com/vision.
3: Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com/podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.